Amen. Isn't God good this morning? Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Wow, what an amazing time of worship. Man, I just, I love the Lord. I, I am so excited uh, just to be in his presence today and to, to be able to gather together and to worship him, to lift high the name of Jesus. That's what it's all about today, Pastor JC, is lifting him up. And so, man, we're just excited that you're here today. We hope you're excited to be in the house of God and to encounter his presence in a real way. We just believe that, that life change is happening here yeah. at South Metro and and at Go Church, and what God is doing here is absolutely amazing. And so we're just delighted that you're here, delighted that you've come to join together with us today. We're excited as we're kicking off week two of our new series here, Ask Away. And, uh, and I want to say this morning to, to everybody who has submitted a question online, man, that you guys, you've been able to participate in this series. And man, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has submitted questions, given us uh, material to kind of work through, because uh, we, we want to be able to to answer the questions that you have and to answer them from a biblical perspective um, because this, we, we believe that it's important that when we answer these questions that we come at it from the standpoint of what God thinks about it. And I believe this, Pastor JC, that the answers to life are found right here in this book, that they're found in the Bible, that they're found in Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so that's the, the perspective that we come from as we uh, answer these questions. And so we want to invite you, if you haven't done that, you've got a question you'd like to submit, you can go online to www.askawayseries.com and you can submit a question there. And we'll do our best to, to get to those questions and to, uh, to answer as many of them as we can. Now, I want to introduce myself this morning. For those of you who may not know me, I'm Pastor Trey Powell. I'm one of the staff pastors here at South Metro. And I am joined on the stage this morning by our lead pastor, J.C. Worley. Would you show him some love this morning? Let him know how much you love him and appreciate him. Pastor JC, thank you so much for, for being here and uh, for taking this time this morning to uh, invest. But we're going to dive into some questions this morning. But before we do that, I want to look in the camera in the back of the room. And I want to welcome our Go Church family up in the greater Washington, D.C. area, Germantown, Maryland. They're up there worshiping God 702 miles away with us this morning. We are aligned in spirit and in heart. And uh, God is not only doing amazing things here, but he's doing amazing things there. And so Go Church, we love you. You're our family. We're so glad that you are tuning in with us this morning. Also, we want to say welcome to everyone who's just watching online. Maybe you're checking us out for the first time. We want you to know we may not know you yet, but we love you and we hope to see you here with us very soon. And then finally, last but not least, all of those who are serving in the military around the world, we, we love you so much. We honor your sacrifice, your commitment. We're a free country today because of what you're doing for us. Pastor JC was sharing with me this morning in fact that there's a, a family in Seoul, South Korea that are stationed over there with the military and they've been watching our services on Sunday morning. And so if you're watching today, man, we love you guys and we are so glad uh, that, that God is blessing you and ministering to you uh, through the live stream here at South Metro. So listen, we've got a lot to talk about today. And uh, I, I said it in first service, you know, a lot of times we want to ease into the pool, uh, but, but you know when the water's cold, it's better to just go ahead and jump right on in the deep end, right? So that's what we're going to do this morning, and uh, I'm just going to dive right in, Pastor JC, with uh, a pretty deep question today, and it, it may take us a little while to unpack this one, but I, 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 we, this was a question that was submitted by someone in our congregation, and, uh, and man, it's a fantastic question, and so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the ball on the tee for you this morning. So uh, the first question that that we, we come to today is this. Can non-Christians go to heaven? 
among the Abrahamic faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, aren't we all worshiping the same God, meaning the God of Abraham? If so, shouldn't there be a seat for everyone at God's table in heaven, regardless of which faith you practice? You know, you, you ask such a, a big question and then expect a short response, and that's not really fair, you know, but we kind of set ourselves up for that because this is, a, this is a huge question, and I am glad that it was submitted because I think that there is some confusion uh, based around this, this question that was submitted. And, and also, Pastor Trey, man, there's just a lot of false doctrine yeah, no doubt. that's floating around. So I hope that in the few minutes that I'm given to answer this question, we can bring some clarity uh, because God is not the author of confusion and the right. truth is what ultimately sets us free. Man, so, so let me start off by saying this. The, uh, the type of belief that you see sandwiched within the context of this question that, that everyone is going to go to heaven that there is a seat for everybody at God's table. That is called the doctrine of universalism. Mm. And again, what, what universalism means as a, as a theology, as a doctrine, is that eventually, regardless of how you live your life, that you're going to go to heaven. Right. You know, and that, that's often backed up with this idea where people will say, well, isn't God love? And the, the answer to that would be, yes, obviously God is love. And then they would say, well, then how can a, a God who is love send one of his children to a place called hell? So obviously then universalists would say, you know, everybody's going to end up in heaven. The problem with this particular doctrine is that these individuals will often only pick and choose parts of the Bible right. to back up its claim or its belief system. And, and you know this in every area of our life, but, but we can't just pick and choose the parts of Scripture that fit what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. Our responsibility as believers is to look at the, the entire Word of God, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, because a partial truth is no truth at all. Yeah. And so it's not fair to approach Scripture with the lens of, I'll decide you know, and filter what I think should apply to my life and what I don't want to apply to my life so that I can justify my behaviors in the way that I live. And ultimately I'm going to go to heaven no matter what, because God loves me and I'm one of his children and he would never send me, send me to hell. So the truth is this, whenever we look at scripture from start to finish, we really see that the Bible presents a much stronger case against universalism than it does for it. Right. I mean, every time that Jesus, every time that Jesus would speak of hell, and he spoke of hell often. As a matter of fact, he spoke more about the reality of hell than he did about the reality of heaven. Mm. So every time that Jesus would speak about the topic of hell, he was refuting this idea of universalism. Right. You know, because he, he was saying, look, this, this isn't everybody's going to heaven. You, you have to decide to believe yeah. that I am the son of God. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, again, some people in, in this room and those that go, go church and some watching online, they may say again, well, doesn't God love us? How could he send us there? And yes, he does love you. And he loves you so much that he put his love on display yeah. by sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, come on, that's good. God took on the form of humanity, came to this earth as Jesus to be the substitute of our sin. Here's what I mean by that. Because of the life that we live, the sin that, that, we, that we fall into, the trap of sin that we fall into, 
the wages of that sin is death. But God loved us so much, he gave us a way out to be reconciled through the blood of Jesus. So the love of God in its vastness and in its you know, and its importance and its power and the grace of God and the mercy of God is a part of that equation of salvation, but that's not all there is. Right. Remember in our last series that we did uh, just a few weeks ago in the book of Ephesians, uh, we, we got to one chapter where the apostle Paul, the writer of Ephesians, he reminded us, he said, it is by grace through faith right. that we have been saved. And so we, we have to choose to believe that there is this Jesus, this rescuer Mm. from the life that we live. So let me answer your question more directly. Whenever I study scripture, um, I I, I draw the conclusion that there will not be a seat for everyone at God's table. The only only ones that get to sit at the table, uh, that get to spend eternity in heaven, are those who have confessed their sin They believe in their heart Jesus is Lord, and then they live a life according to that new life that Christ has given them in Christ. Does that make sense? So this isn't this isn't a this isn't a religion where it's live how you want, do whatever you want, because God is graceful, and you're going to get to heaven. I really I I fear uh, not not just as a pastor, but as a Christian. I fear the reality of hell. Mm. that one day we will all stand before God and we will be accountable for every word, action, and deed. And we will hear either, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never even knew you. And so this idea that everybody gets to heaven, it just, it troubles me because Jesus is, you know, he's, he's the center of this faith that we have in our hearts. And what's the point of Christ's sacrifice? Yeah, come on. What's the point of Christ's sacrifice? Why go to a cross and why die to pay the price for our sins if he's not the be all end all? Yeah. If anybody can just show up and and go to heaven, then what's the point of that? Yeah, come on. That's good. Can I spend a couple more minutes here? Yeah, do it. Do it. Because the the question question is so deep, but let's go go a layer, another layer in this. The reason that uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are even considered as Abrahamic faiths is not so much because all three of those religion or religious groups believe in the same doctrine, but more so because all three of those religions recognize Abraham. Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> so they recognize yeah. Abraham. Even, even in the Quran, uh, it, that, that teaching recognizes Abraham as a prophet. Right. But, but here's what I know, Pastor Trey. While Abraham plays a significant role in our Christian faith, it is not by Abraham in which I am saved. Ooh, come on. So, so the good. reason that they're lumped in as Abrahamic faiths have, have more to do with the record, you know, recognizing of who Abraham is and not so much with the doctrine in which we, right. which we agree or disagree right, upon. Right. So, so respectfully, let me talk to my, my Jewish friends for a moment. Okay. Um, it was Jesus in John chapter 14, verse number six, that said, Jesus, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life, Jesus says, and no one comes to the Father except through me. 
So, so what we learned there as Christians is that the only way that we can have security uh, in our heavenly home is by relationship in Jesus Christ. Ooh, that we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he, is, that he is the Messiah. So for any Jewish person, and this is where we uh, have such a vast difference of doctrinal understanding. For any Jewish person that is still waiting for their Messiah to show up to rescue them while refuting to to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, they are not saved. Right. Now, I know that that's, that's hard teaching, but it, but it is the truth of the Word of God. Uh, let, me, let me take you to the Bible for a minute. Let's go. John the Baptist was in the same predicament. John the Baptist, who, who was appointed to prepare the way of the Lord, and he, he, would, he would have this conversation with Jesus in Luke chapter 7, verse number 19. And when they encountered one another, John the Baptist said to Jesus, the Son of God, Messiah, he said to him, he said, are you the one who is to come or should we look for someone else? Mm. What he was asking was, are, are, are you Jesus, the Son of God, who can rescue us for, from our sins or should we look for somebody else? Well, Jesus began to have this conversation back, and he pointed John to the miracle signs and wonders of his ministry. He pointed to the, uh, the purposeful preaching of the gospel of Jesus, specifically to the poor. And then Jesus makes this statement. And he, he made the statement to John the Baptist, and I think he makes a statement to all of us, regardless of what religious faith group we're connected to. He says, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Mm. Now, why would Jesus say that? What Jesus was trying to say is this. I know that I may not look like the Messiah that you thought would come and save you, right. but I am the son of the living God. Yeah, come on, come church. On. Help good. me out for That's a minute. So, so here's what he was saying. And Jesus goes on all throughout the gospel. Jesus preaches and he teaches and he shares that if anyone rejects Jesus, then they are also rejecting God the Father. Right. Jesus would say, look, if you don't love me, Jesus, then you do not have the love of the Father in you. Mm. If you reject me, you reject him. If you do not welcome him, you do not welcome me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that sure. that it, is, it is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And, and, and Jesus goes on. He says in John 14, 7, he says, look, he says, if, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. So he makes this declaration that the only way we get to God is through Jesus Christ. Right. He says in John 5, he says, whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. He goes on and he says, I know that you don't have the love of God in you because I come from my father's name and you do not receive me. You continue yeah. to reject me. He goes on and on and on. He says, if God was really your father, if God was truly your father, then you would love me because I came from God yeah. and I am here. Wow. He, says, he says this, Jesus says this in John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 23. He says, no one who denies the son has the father in them. Wow. He says, but whoever confesses the son has the father. Yeah, that's good. And scripture, uh, Trey, I'm just giving you a short list here. <laughs> scripture goes on and on and on about this reality that regardless of what faith group that we're connected to, Jesus is the only yeah, way. Yeah, that's good. Come on, give God praise for that. Man, I love that because, you know, the Bible likens Jesus to a gate. 
Yeah. And, and so you, to get in something, so if there's a fence or whatever, you go through the gate to get in. The only way into the kingdom of God is through Jesus Christ. And so we have to go through him to get, through, get to the Father. We have to go through him to get into the kingdom of God. There is only a seat at the table for those who go through Jesus Christ. Come on, man. Now, now, now let's not leave out the, uh, the, the third religious group, which is right. the, uh, the Islamic faith group, the Muslims. Now, there, there is this idea, and many people assume, and I want you to see this, that because, because the, the Bible and the Quran both teach that there is one God who is creator of all things and he is the ruler of all things, then that must mean that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Mm. And, and I, I want to walk through this very carefully because this isn't really to offend anyone. Sure. It's to shed some truth on this understanding so that they can find freedom in Jesus. Amen. Come on. Come on, that's good. Here's the truth. Christians and Muslims do not worship the same God. And, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, here, here's, the, here's the deal. There are profound differences between the Yahweh of the Bible and the Allah of the Quran. Right. I mean, there, there are fat, profound differences, and the differences rely heavily on the character of the God in which they serve yeah, and on. worship. Come on. Let me give you an example. The Lord just gave me this, this analogy. Let's say Trey and I are having a conversation, and we're talking about this cell phone. You and I would agree that this is a cell phone, one right. cell phone. If I said this cell phone was an iPhone, and you said this cell phone was a Samsung Galaxy, <laughs> we would be agreeing that there is one cell phone, but we would disagree on the character of the phone. Right. That's better than you're helping me, by the way, right there. <laughs> because there is a difference between existence and character. Right. There's a huge difference. Come on, does that make yeah, sense? no, that's good. So, so something very, let me give you your phone back so you don't say I stole it. <laughs> We're good. on camera here. <laughs> something similar is going on with the Yahweh of the Holy Scripture and the Allah of the Quran. And I, right. want, I want to show you that because their characters are not the same. And if their characters aren't the same, then that means that it can't be the same God. Mm. We're not worshiping the same God. So a few of the characters of God in the Bible. Uh, one, one of the main attributes is that he is personal. Yeah. And he is relational. Come on. That, the, one of the beautiful things about Christianity is that it's not about religion. It is about relationship. Mm. It's about relationship in him. And so the God of this Bible teaches us that we can have relationship with him. Another main attribute is that he is a God who can be known. Mm. That we can know him personally and intimately. As a matter of fact, your Bible encourages you not just to follow God, not just to serve God, but to know him. Yeah. To actually know God. Isn't that beautiful? It's amazing. Another, another main attribute, and we talked a little bit about this, is that, is that your Bible teaches that, that he is a God of love. Mm. That it is his very nature. That he is love. And that he demonstrated his love through the suffering on the cross in order to deal with the consequences of our sin. Yeah. So, so he, made, he made a way for our brokenness to become reconciled with God because he loved us that much. Wow. Tell me of another God that did that. Come on. Tell me of another God that paid the penalty of our sin. Now, now, when you compare those characters to the Allah of the Quran, you see that those characteristics are different. Mm. Because when you read the Quran, and I've read part of it, I own a copy of the Quran, and when you look at the Quran, you see that Allah is not personal. Right. Allah is not relational. 
No, nowhere in the Quran, there's, there's not one chapter, not one verse in the Quran that says that you can know Allah like that because he's far too distant. Right. He's far too busy. He's far too consumed. Yeah, yeah. You know, nowhere in the Quran do you see Allah being described as a God of love. Mm. Nowhere in the Quran do you see Allah suffering or acting in some type of way to deal with the problem of sin. Wow. And so when you looked at the character, do you see the differences oh, in the yeah. character? When you line up the character... And this is a short list. I mean, it goes on and on. When you line up the characters, though, and you compare the character of God that's in the Bible and the character of Allah in the Quran, you see that they are utterly different. Yeah. That they are not the same. Wow. One more thought. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Um, we cannot conform Christianity to the teachings of Islam hmm. because it will never fit in that framework. Right. It is set apart. Yeah. It's set apart. And we can't, we can't justify scripture and doctrine to make it fit into something that it is not. And here's my encouragement to anybody in this room, those at Go Church, those that are watching online, if you're wrestling with these two faith groups, right? I would challenge you, study Islam on its own terms. Yeah. Read through the Quran on its own terms. Then don't stop there, but pick up the bread of life. Oh, come on. Pick, pick up the word of God and study these scriptures on God's terms. Yeah. And you will see the difference. Mm. Here's one of them. Uh, as Christians, we believe that, that God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit. Uh, we believe in the Trinity, that God is three in one, mm. right? It's a, it's a Trinitarian theology. We, we believe that. That's right. foundational sure. to, to our Christian faith, that, yeah. that God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Holy Spirit. Yes. When you read the Quran, though, and I'm going to read you an excerpt from it, when you get to, to chapter 5 of the Quran, verses 72 and 73, you will see a huge difference of opinion mm. about what we believe and about who we serve. Wow. Here's the excerpt. You ready? Here's what the Quran says, chapter 5, verse 72. There are unbelievers who say that this Jesus, the son of Mary, is the Messiah. The Quran says, whoever associates with this Jesus, then Allah shall prohibit him or her to enter into paradise. Mm. Their refuge, if they associate with Jesus, their refuge shall be fire. It mm. goes on. Those who say that God is one in a trinity have certainly fallen into disbelief. There is only one Allah. And if you do not stop saying this, then those who disbelieve among them will be afflicted with a painful punishment. Wow. Quran, chapter 5, verse 72, 73. Wow. We do not worship the same gods. The God that we serve is a God of love. Yeah, the God on. that we serve is a God of mercy. Yeah. The God that we love sent his son, Jesus. Amen. And let me, let me tell you, it, Jesus is the only way. Yes, come on. His, his name is Jesus. And one day, every knee shall bow and every yes. tongue shall confess that Jesus, Jesus. is Lord. Come on, church. Yeah, Tell me good. out for that's a minute. Good. Jesus Ooh. is our only hope. Yes, he is. Jesus is our only, our only hope. Yeah. And, many, and many Muslims... Many Muslims are coming to know Jesus because he is personal, he's relatable, he wants to be known, he's made himself to be known, yes. and there is a vast difference in the God that we serve. Come on, church, give yeah, me a good amen on. right there. Well, I would say this too. People want to serve a living God. 
Man, everybody else, it seems religions around the world are all serving gods that are dead. We're the come only on, religion Trey. serving a God that's alive oh, today. Come on, that's come a on, great give place. God some praise for that. You serve a living God today who is personal for you and wants to be in relationship with you. And that's a huge difference right there, that's man. Jesus. Yes, it is. Man, it's Amen. Jesus who, who saved a 19-year-old kid mm. that was on his way to hell. Yeah. It was Jesus. Come on. That reached down his hand. You know, it was a psalmist, David, that said, you lifted me out of the slimy pit. You lifted me up from the muck and the mire. And, and that's the testimony yeah, of my God. life. It was Jesus that made a way. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else made a way but Jesus. Yeah. And I've committed my life to Jesus Christ because Hallelujah. he is the savior of Amen. our soul. Come on, church, one Amen. more time. Yeah. Amen. Woo. That's good. Woo. That's good. Preaching and teaching right there, Pastor J.C., Wow. Well, man, listen, we, I want to make sure that we take advantage of our time. That was so good. And man, we could stop there, but we got a few more. I, I want us to hit today. Uh, the next question that we have here is, uh, it says I'm struggling. This is very personal. I'm struggling with becoming a new mother. Is it wrong to consider adoption? I feel so much resentment toward my child's father for leaving us in a bad predicament. You know, the way, the way that we have formatted this Ask Away series, we created a website, askawayseries.com. Uh, we've, we've pushed everybody in that direction, again, at both of our, our campuses to submit questions, and here's the key word, anonymously. Mm -hmm. There is no way, and I'm not making this up, there's no way to, to trace back to who submitted that question on that online form. Right, right. You know, so even though this question was submitted anonymously, the first thing that I want to say is, how proud I am of this new mother for being brave enough to ask a very gut-wrenching question. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It, it, takes, it takes bravery to be transparent and to admit that there is resentment or that, that motherhood or parenting is hard. Yeah. You know, I mean, it is hard. Uh, it's hard, it's, uh, Kimberly and I, I mean, it, it's hard to parent, and there are two of us in a household. I can't imagine the difficulty of being a single mom or a single father. Yeah. You know, and so, so maybe my response to this particular question will not only help this individual, but, but help those of you in this room or at Go Church that, that you're wrestling through some guilt of parenting as well. Yeah. Pastor Trey, here's the first thing that I would say is this, and this is just my, this is my heart. I, I do not believe that God, who, the God of this Bible, who is the giver of life, Scripture says, that God would have given this woman a child if he did not think that she was capable of raising that kid. Now, it all takes the help of the Lord to raise children. But I believe that God sees something and saw something inside of this woman to say, you are capable of raising this gift that I have given you. Yeah. And I genuinely pray today that, that this mom is here or watching online, or maybe you are a single parent or you're a dual parent and you're doubting your ability. I just want to encourage you to tell you that, that, that every, every child in your household is a gift from God. Yes, amen. And God has seen you and your home capable of raising them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Yeah. Even, even when we feel like giving up, even when we feel like quitting, you know, she submitted, is it wrong to consider adoption? There are parents sitting out here that thinking, is it wrong to want to kill them? Cause they're on my nerves, you know, <laughs> right. parenting, parenting is hard. Yeah. Parenting is tough. Here's the second thing I would say. 
You know, I, I would encourage this individual to work through some of her feelings mm. before she makes a decision. Yeah. And here's what I mean by that. Don't make a long-term decision based off of a short-term emotion. Oh, wow. And I, I think we do that so often. When life gets tough, when life gets stressful, when life gets overwhelming and our emotions are a roller coaster, we tend to make long-term decisions based off of a short-term emotion. Right. And I can tell you right now that if she were to do that, then the resentment would rob her of the reward. Oh. The resentment and the bitterness that wow. she feels in this emotion would wow. rob her of the reward of the gift of a child. Yeah, come on, that's good. You know, and I would just encourage you, no matter what, where you are, if, if you're in a season here where you're feeling some of the same emotions of bitterness and resentment, don't, don't make a long-term decision based on that short-term emotion. Yeah. And don't let that resentment re uh, rob you of that reward. Yeah. Because it is a reward to be considered a parent, a father, a mother, etc. That's good. Here's the other thing. Don't make a decision like this alone. Mm. This is the beauty of the local church. It's the, the purpose of the local church that, that as a believer, you do not have to go through this journey by yourself. Yeah. The Bible teaches us that there is wisdom found in the counsel of many. Mm. And so whenever, whether it's this situation or whatever situation you're walking through, don't try to make that decision alone. You know, for, for this particular mom, Call us at the church office. I, I know that you submitted this question anonymously, but send us an email. Give us a call. You know, at South Metro, it's 770-251-3777. Go Church is 301-850-0240. Call us because you don't have to go through this by yourself. Yeah. We are here to help you, to encourage you, to pray for amen. you, and, and to, to, to walk alongside of yeah, you amen. as she has to make this decision. The other thing I'll say is this. Considering adoption, that's not wrong. Mm. If you think about our walk with Christ, we're all adopted. Yeah. So we're all, we're all adopted. You, you and your sweet wife, Monty, you're walking through the process of adoption yourself. We are. Yes. And God is going to bless you and your family with a beautiful child yeah. through the process of adoption. Yeah. We believe in it. It's biblical. Yeah. So if there, if there comes a point where this is overwhelming and this individual decides to, to place that child up for adoption, I, I applaud I applaud her. Yeah. I do. The, the considering of adoption isn't wrong. What is wrong is the resentment and the bitterness. Yeah. That's wrong. Mm. Because the resentment and the bitterness that you feel towards a particular individual is what kills us. Yeah. I, I know this from my own life. I can't tell you how many times mm. I, I have had resentment and bitterness towards somebody, and doing so is like drinking poison, thinking it's going to kill them. Yeah. It's good. So I'm drinking my resentment. I'm drinking my bitterness, hoping that it's going to hurt them and trade those individuals. They're off living their life. Oh, yeah. They, they don't even they, know what's going on. Yeah, they haven't thought twice about me. Right. Or, and I can't speak to the heart of this particular father, but it sounds like he hasn't considered the mother or the child. So he's right. not living his life. But that bitterness and that resentment can build up on the inside of us, and it will destroy us because no that's doubt. what sin does. Yeah. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians, he said in chapter 4, he said, look, get rid of all bitterness. Hmm. Get rid of all resentment, get rid of all anger, get rid of all rage, get rid of all fighting and slander and uh, get rid of any kind of form of malice. He says, get rid of all of that. And he says, be kind and be compassionate to each other. Wow. That's tough at times, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And then he says this, and then he says, forgiving each other mm. just as Christ forgave you. Mm. So here's the last thing I'll say to this, this new mom. 
Somewhere in your heart, you have to choose to forgive. Wow. There's this old saying, forgive and forget. Forget. How many of you by show of hands, you've heard that before? Come on, both campuses, forgive and forget. That's the dumbest phrase ever, man. (laughs) It is not possible to forgive and forget. I know I I struggle with it. As a matter of fact, forgiving is the opposite of forgetting. Right. Forgiving is remembering every single detail of what that individual did to you or towards you, and then watch this, and then choosing to forgive them anyway. Wow. Forgiveness is a choice. Yeah, you don't don't forgive, and it's like, I I don't don't remember what you did as you try to raise a child alone. Mm. No, forgiving is remembering you walked out on us. You left us. Yeah, you haven't haven't given one month of child support. You haven't been there for any birthdays. I have had to sacrifice multiple jobs. I remember everything you did to me and this child, but I choose to forgive you anyway because Christ forgave me. And if Christ can forgive me, then I have no other option than to forgive you. Come on, isn't that good? good. So I would challenge this individual to learn to forgive. Wow. Learn to forgive. Wow, that's great. Yeah, come on, that's amen. Great. That is great, man. I, I mean, and that's for all of us here today. I mean, that's a challenge to anybody who's sitting there in a, in a cage of resentment because that, that's what it is. It's a cage for us. We, we, we think we're putting them in it, and there's no way for us to hold them captive in our mind. Right. We, we're the ones held captive, and so we can only have freedom through forgiveness, and Jesus offers that to us today and offers that as a release for us when we make that decision. So, man, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, Pastor JC, we're going to hit these last two questions pretty quickly uh, because we want to make sure we have time for everything. So this, uh, this next question uh, is, is a relational question, uh, and it says this. It says, my boyfriend says he believes in God, but he doesn't like going to church. He's the sweetest guy, and he treats me like an angel, don't they all? But he, believe, he does believe in premarital sex. Is he worth keeping around to see if he makes a change to follow God, or is he someone I should let go of completely? You know, in the words of Elsa, let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. Thought I'd throw that in there. That's pretty good. good. here's here's my thought right here and respectfully again all of these questions are anonymous so I think because they're anonymous it does allow us to share in a much more matter-of-fact kind of response than uh, maybe if the person was sitting in front of you and you feel like you have to you know therapeutically massage a response not to offend sure that makes sense well let, let me say it like this and again respectfully withhold sex and see how long he stays around that's good I think you'll find out real quick you know if if he's worth keeping or not because Mm -hmm. the truth is and the question is does he love you for you or does he love what you you can do for him yeah that's good and and here's a thought I know we're running out of time we want to go with one more thought too by way of question but it disappoints me how many times and I'm guilty of it too in certain areas of my life where we, we don't turn to the word of God for clarity, instruction, mm. correction, reproof, and help and guidance, etc. Then, then we get ourselves in a mess, and then we know it's wrong, 
We know it's wrong. And again, respectfully, but the fact she submitted the question, she's wrestling with this being wrong or not. Yeah. You know, I mean, multiple times she sandwiches in between all the, he's sweet, he's an angel, but, 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 but. So, so we know, and I think we do that. We find ourselves in a predicament and then we try to justify our behaviors so that we can keep doing what we know we shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And, and that's not how this Christian life works. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I wish specifically, uh, this applies for every part of our life, but specifically to relationships, Trey, I wish that, that individuals who are, are in the season of singlehood, that they would embrace that season. Yeah. Okay. First off, but then they would also raise their standards. Yeah, that's good. Because the scripture sets for us some standards, you know, and if we lived by the standards, then we wouldn't find ourselves having to submit questions anonymously about the boyfriend we know we shouldn't be with to begin mm, with. Yeah, come on. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so real quick, I think we ought to raise the standards. Here, here's a few standards. If you're single, uh, if you're in the dating game, uh, if you're on Tinder, here's some things to write down. You know what I mean? Uh, here's some things I want you to write down. Number one, you should only date a Christian who is active in the church. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because that will eliminate a lot of issues anyway. Yeah. You know, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. Right. People start dating. One's a believer, one's not, or one, both are believers, but one doesn't want to go to church. And then they wonder why there's issues. <laughs> Well, the Lord told you not to be unequally yoked. Right. Uh, there's some more thoughts that I have there, but we'll move on. The second thing is this. Do not marry. Do not, do not date somebody that is married or in another relationship. Yeah. Don't, do not fish in that pond. Right. No, 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 no. Don't, do not go there. If they, if, they, if they are married, they are off limits. That's right. Th this wedding ring means that I am committed to Kimberly. Yeah. And in the words of the great prophet, MC Hammer, you can't touch this. <laughs> Come on now. That's good, man. Yeah. Don't, I, I, I love him. I love him. He's everything. He is married. Yeah, that's right. Let, let him be. Right. And let him be the man that he's supposed to be for the family that he's committed to. Here's another thing. Don't wait around. Do not wait around. Do not wait around for a phone call, a return text message. Do, do not. I'm a dad too, so <laughs> do not wait around for him to become something that you hope he will mature into and be. Right, right, no, right. no, 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 no. I did not marry Kimberly because I thought, wow, she's got some really great potential. <laughs> no. You don't, you don't wait around. If they're not calling you back and texting you back, don't, don't, even, don't even hang out in that world. Come on, somebody give me yeah, a good amen. Good. If, they, if they don't respect you, if they do not respect you, walk away. That's a big one. Walk away. Do not stay with somebody that's controlling or manipulative. Mm. Don't do it. Don't even hang out there. Uh, here's one, and I know people are going to disagree with me on it, but it is what it is. Don't sleep with them until you're married. Yeah, that's good. Here's why. Sex is not bad. Sex is good. God, God created sex. Mm -hmm. He made Adam and he said, it's not good for him to be alone. So he made a woman. And then he said, now go multiply. Yeah. God created sex. But the dangers of sex is when it happens outside the context of holy matrimony. That's right. And if you, mm. uh, look, I'm trying to find, it's not if he's worth keeping. It's realizing what you're worth. Okay. That's good. So, so don't, even, don't even go there. Here's another one. Don't date crazy. <laughs> don't, don't do drama. Mm. Come on, somebody. Help me out. Yeah. Never. This is going to be the best advice you ever get from this, this session right here. 
never date someone that has more issues than you do. Come on now, I'm telling you. No, it's amazing how many people are crazy and, and you think, I could see past that. You can't see past crazy. <laughs> crazy is real, you when know? I, I tell people all the time that marriage is a magnifying glass, that all those things that seem so small now get a whole lot bigger when you get in a marriage relationship. They really do. So you better make sure you're looking at all of that before you get there. Not for Monty. Right, no, no not for no, Monty. No, no, not your wife. I actually married the perfect woman. Yes, you, you did. Know? Yes, you did. That's she good. She did not get the same in me, but you know. <laughs> but we're praying for her. The, the Lord is gracious and good. Yes, he is. Here, here's, a, here's another here's another tip or piece of advice. You are not Jesus. Yeah, that's good. And you are not Florence Nightingale. You are not called to fix people. <laughs> Come on. That's good. That's good. Here's another one. Uh, the people that love you the most, the people that care about you the most, if they're telling you it's not a right relationship, listen to them. Mm. It blows my mind how many times, uh, and Kimberly and I, we were in student ministry for many, many years, and even as a lead pastor, our heart is still with students, because mm. it's formative, those years of adolescence. Right. It amazes me how many times uh, uh, you know, a young girl or a young boy, they will date somebody that everybody who loves them told them, don't do it, and they do it anyway. Wow. And they wonder why the relationship ends in hurt and heart heartache. And it's not just teenagers. It's amazing how many grown-ups, they're dating people they know, mama don't approve, daddy don't approve, sister doesn't approve, best friend doesn't approve, pastor doesn't approve. Well, it must be right. Mm. <laughs> uh, how is that possible? What makes sense about that? <laughs> don't do it. And then the last thing is this, is that these boundaries that I just gave you, they are non-negotiable. Yeah, that's right. Non-negotiable. Yeah, that's Come good. On. That's good. Man, I would love to jump in on that. You know, I'm a, as a youth pastor, I got a lot to say on that, but I'm, I'm going to move on uh, as we move forward. But I will say this very quickly, that it is important that we set those guardrails early on, that we do that because if you don't set the guardrails now, you will not follow them and set them when you get in the situation. When you get, I tell our students all the time, if you don't set boundaries now in your life, you won't set boundaries when you're in the backseat of the car. So you got to make those decisions now before you ever get there and make that that commitment that's just some free advice there. the the guardrails will keep you from ever ending up in the backseat come on that's to good to begin with that's right and here's here's the problem with our culture uh we don't have enough established guardrails but we have plenty of painted lines mm. so when you're in your car and you're driving and you see a painted line for many of you that painted line is nothing more than a suggestion yeah because the painted line will tell you, don't, don't pass another vehicle in the zone and you'll do it anyway. <laughs> okay? A painted line is just a suggestion. You felt conviction, didn't you? I did. I, I'm going to have to pray for some forgiveness. So, Holy Spirit, did you see him? He's like, hey. Lord, don't tell Eddie my Kurt. God. <laughs> hey. A right? The painted line is just a suggestion. But a guardrail, what a guardrail does is it, it says to you on the other side of the guardrail is danger and destruction. Oh, come on. That's good. And if you go outside of the guardrail, the Bible says in John 10, and we said it earlier, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Right. And, and the, the plan of the enemy is to, is to pull you outside of your lane, wow. to pull you outside of the boundaries so that you will fail and fall into places of destruction. Mm. But the way that you keep yourself on that straight and narrow is to establish guardrails. Yeah, guardrails. Right. And if a man or woman comes into your life and they don't, they don't line up with the expectations, the standards, and the guardrails, see ya. Mm. See ya. Because as we said earlier, he thought I was worth saving. Yeah, come on. He thought I was worth keeping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? 
And it's important to create those guardrails. I love this series so much, but it is hard to sit down right now because I feel you. Jesus. I know, I feel it. You got Come two on. preachers on stage right now. Both of us could probably go on that for a while. <laughs> Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this last question, Pastor JC, and give you a chance to answer it very quickly. Um, the last question submitted is this. I love everything about the church, but I'm not the best at making friends. What should I do? You know, uh, my son Lakeland, who's eight, a few years ago, we were eating at this, uh, at this Chinese restaurant. And at the end of the meal, like most of those Chinese restaurants will do, they, they dropped off the, the check and then they dropped off, you know, a handful of fortune cookies. You've ever eaten a fortune cookie, you know, and you open it up, you see the piece of paper and, and just for fun, you know, we'll read those. We don't believe in the fortune. We sure. certainly have never played our lucky numbers by any right. means, but, but we, we look to, to, to the word of God for truth. But a lot of times those fortune cookies are, are practical in what they say in Lakeland, who was probably five or six at the time he opened his up and he read it out loud. And he said, the only way to make a friend is to be one. Wow. And we've just kind of adopted that, you know, mindset and culture in our family, that if we really want to to have friends, then we've got to be friendly. Yeah. You know, we have to kind of go out of our way. And the best way to do that is through participation in groups. And we preach groups a lot. Today's, uh, you know, group kickoff Sunday at both of our campuses. You'll talk more about that in a minute. The reason that we believe in groups is because you hear us preach all the time that real life change happens in the context of relationships. Yes. You know, many of us in this room and many of you at Go Church, many of you online, you can go back to when you met Christ, you experienced Christ, and you can connect the dots to a relationship Mm. that was transformative in your own life. No doubt. You know? And so when you look at not just the importance of groups, but the power Mm. of groups, you recognize the significance of the need to be in a group. Yeah, no doubt. It's because God didn't create us to do life alone. Sure. You know, as a matter of fact, in 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we know if we, if we participate in the discipline of confession that God is going to forgive us. Yes. In James 5, 16, though, it says, if we confess our sins to one another, mm. there we will find healing or deliverance. Wow. And here's what I see so often, Pastor Trey, is many Christians, they will confess their sins to God and they'll experience salvation, but they refuse to confess their issues to each other. And so they never experience freedom and deliverance. Wow. And I think that if we could participate in both disciplines, the discipline of confession to our our Father in heaven and the the need for accountability, Mm. everything would change. Let me show you one place in the Bible and then I'm done for the day and, and you can finish out, okay? Sure. When you look at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, there were multiple characters within that story that led to Jesus being on the cross. Mm. Uh, you, you, have, you have Simon Peter who said, I'll never deny you. I'll always love you. you know? And Jesus said, by the time the rooster crows three times, you know, and not me, Lord, not me. Well, we know how that ended. Yeah. Peter's out by a campfire. Jesus is on the cross in the shadows and... Uh, someone asked Peter, do you know him? And the Bible says that he, he cussed yeah. and denounced knowing Jesus. Well, another character is Judas. Judas denied Jesus as well. You know, uh, he, he sold Jesus out to the, the soldiers who eventually arrested Jesus, etc. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Now, there, there are a couple of similarities between Judas and Simon Peter, and, and one of them being that they both 
sold Jesus out. Mm. They, they both turned their back on Jesus when Jesus needed them the most. They were nowhere to be found. But two interesting differences is this. First off, only one of them got paid. Mm. Wow. There was a cash transaction that took place because of Judas selling out Jesus. Wow. The Bible says that he got 30 pieces of silver. Well, Peter denied Jesus, but he didn't get any money for it. No, he didn't. So that's a difference. Another difference, though, is the outcome of their life, their ministry, and their legacy. Mm. The, the next time that you see and read about Judas, the Bible says that he had committed suicide and he was swaying from a tree, that he took his own life. Not long after this story, when Jesus is resurrected from the dead, you read about Peter and what's he doing? He's standing on the balcony of a two-story apartment building preaching the word of God. Yeah. He's preaching truth from the word. And he says to all of the onlookers, he says, hey, I'm not drunk with wine like you think I am, although it's early in the morning. He says, I'm drunk in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, and he preaches a bold and powerful sermon. And the Bible says that on that day of Pentecost, over three thousand people got saved wow wait a minute they both sinned they both turned their back on jesus one of them committed suicide but the other went on to establish this church yeah why yeah tell you why because judas in his sin tried to handle it alone mm. and judas isolated himself from the group wow he walked away from the covering. He walked away from the accountability. He walked away from the friendships. Mm. He walked away from the people that cared about him the most. Wow. Peter denied the Lord, but he decided, I'll go back to my group. Mm. I'll go back to the people that care. I'll go back to the people that believe in me. I'll go back to the people that ac accept me in spite of me. Yeah. I'll go back to my family. Yeah. Let me tell you, and you know this, the enemy desires for us to get in isolation. Yep, for sure. Because when we are all alone, the lies of the enemy, the voice of Satan begins to creep in and tells us you're good for nothing. You'll never amount mm. to anything. You make mistake after mistake after mistake. You go to church service after church service. You hear that preacher preach all the time. You read your Bible. You try to pray. And yet you always make mistakes. Mm. And when we get along, we start to buy into the lies of the enemy. You see that? Yeah. But yet when we get around the group, when we get around people that love us, we can be encouraged in our faith walk to know, you know what? Yeah, I do make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, at times I feel like I'm good for nothing, but God loves me. God believes in me. And even in the midst of my stupidity and poor decision-making and all of my issues, my insecurities, my propensities towards doing wrong, God's got a plan for my life. Amen. God's got a purpose Amen. for my, my life. And God can use me. You yes. want to make a friend? Want to make a friend? This is more than just friendships. Yeah. You, you want to make an impact on this world? Mm. Get in a group. Yeah. Do life together. Have a family. Be accepted around people that care for you and watch what God does in you and through you. It changes everything. Yeah, that's good. Come that's on. good. Hey, man, come on, give God some praise. Man, I will say this to you this morning. 
Today we are kicking off our group sign-ups. We've got several groups, uh, opportunities both here and at Go Church for people to plug in, to connect, to be a part of what God is doing, to be a part of that family. You know, we say this a lot that as our church grows larger, we must get smaller at the same time because the bigger we get, the more isolated we become. The bigger we get, the the more disconnected that we are. And I believe this, that God has divinely orchestrated relationships. He's place that within us, a desire to be in relationship with people. You see it from the beginning of time. God's relationship in the context of the Trinity, the relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's a relationship that's been happening even before time even began. Then there's the relationship of God with man when he created him. Then he said it's not good for man to be alone, so he created woman, put them together in the context of relationship, gave them children later on. Then there came more people along. Then we jump all the way down to the New Testament, and we see them meeting together in homes together, breaking bread. God believes in relationship. God believes in connection. God believes in groups. So that's why we do this here. That's why we do this at South Metro and at Go Church, because we want to create an environment that you can be a part of, where you can have people who are going to come alongside of you and support you and build you up. I'm going to say this very quickly, and then I'm going to pass it off to, to Pastor David. But four things that, that, that groups provide for us, it's very important. Pastor JC said it, it provides a place to fight isolation. The enemy wants to separate you off so he can destroy you. Just like a pack of wolves with a herd, they go in, they don't attack the herd alone. They try to get the weak one off by itself. And when we're in sin and we're living our life and we're struggling, he tries to get us all by ourselves so he can devour us. But a group is a herd that gets around us and protects us. It puts the weak ones in the middle and says, hey, we got you. We're not going let the enemy in. We're going to take care of you. I need that in my life. Then it does this. It's a place to facilitate transparency. Pastor JC said it, that we need a place that we can be honest so that we can find healing in our life. We find healing when we can confess our sins to one another and have people come alongside us and do the very next thing on this list, encourage us. It's a place to find encouragement. I need encouragement every day, Pastor JC. I come, sometimes I go in his office and I'm like, Pastor JC, I just need you to encourage me today. No, I, I, honestly, that, that's what we do as a staff. We need each other encouraging. We're a group together. And then the last thing is this, to foster growth. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. I can't sharpen myself on my own. I'm not good enough to do that. I need other people coming alongside of me, sharpening me, making me better. And I will say this to you, we're better together. We're stronger together than we are alone. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to pass this off to Pastor David Waldrop there at at, at Go Church. And the service is is you guys the rest of the way. But I want to say this to you, South Metro. It is so vital that you have a group that you have a group of people that you can surround yourself with that are gonna encourage you and build you up. God did not intend for us to do this thing alone. I can't do this alone. You look at us up here on the stage and we're pastors, but we're not perfect. We make mistakes, we have junk in our lives and we have to have people who come around us and strengthen us. You need a group of people. You need somebody to support you and to encourage you. And so this is what we've done here at South Metro. We've got almost 30 groups, almost 30 opportunities for for you to plug in, to connect. We've got some um, uh, amazing things happening. We've got groups for children. 
We've got groups for, for students, for high school, middle school students. We've got a group for college-age students, that 18 to 25 range. We've got, uh, we've got men's and women's Bible study. Those are groups. They may not be small, but they're smaller than this. And so uh, that's an opportunity. So, uh, so Kimberly, uh, Pastor JC's wife, and, uh, and Dr. Valerie, they're going to be leading the women's Bible study again. So women, stop by the Next Steps table and get your book today. You don't want to miss out. Men, we've got men's Bible study going on, and I'm telling you, this study is going to be absolutely fantastic. Men, you do not want to miss this. I mean, it is Bible-based, and it's going, to, it's going to be life-changing. we got all kinds of other groups. we got a marriage enrichment class. We've got financial peace. If you need, if you, you want to see what God says about how we handle our finances, man, go sign up. Be a part of financial peace. We've got a lot, a lot of opportunities. Home groups, groups that meet here at the church that you can be a part of. And let me say this. There's a lot of different locations that they're going to be meeting at. Some of them are going to meet here at the church. Some are going to meet at homes in our area. And so listen, uh, if you're interested in a group, you see something, you're like, well, I don't know where it is. Just go ahead, put your name down, put your information because they're going to reach out to you. They're going to give you all the information that you need to know about that group. So if you look at it and you say, man, that looks like something I may want to be a part of, just sign up. You're not committed. You're not obligated to come, but we sure do want you to come to be a part of that. So this is what I'm going to ask everybody to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Our band is going to come. They're going to close us out in a song of celebration, a song of life today. Um, but I, I, want, uh, I want to encourage you, before you leave today, to stop by. We've got our table set up in the lobby. Go out there. This is a spiritual thing. Go out there, sign up, connect, be a part of a group here at South Metro. They're going to come, and this is what I want to do. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. I, I want to I want to cover you with the Spirit of God so that we can go and so that we can live out the very things that Pastor JC has been teaching us this morning. So this is what I want to invite you to do. Would you just lift your hands where you are? We lift our hands as a sign of surrender to God, just saying, God, here I am, all of me. I give myself to you. Have your way in me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for who you are. And God, we are honored to be in your presence. God, I pray today, Lord, that the seeds that have been planted, God, Lord, that they would be planted in fertile, good ground, Father. And I pray that you would water it through your spirit. God, I pray that we would surround ourselves with people. God, and give them access to our life. God, people that we can trust, people that we can Lord, that we can share, Lord, the stuff of our lives with God and trust God that they're going to encourage us, that they're going to build us up. Lord, that these groups would not be a place of judgment, but God, that they would be a place, Lord, of life. God, that we would give life and speak life, God, and build each other up in the faith, God. Lord, and your word says that when we do these things, Lord, that, they, that we fulfill the law of Christ. And so, God, I pray blessing over every single person that's here today. I pray blessing over every person watching online and we say God have your way in us Lord let us be used for your glory God and may the name of Jesus Christ be made famous in all the world God because we made a commitment to trust in you we give you praise we give you honor we give you glory in Jesus name amen and amen come on give God praise this morning we love you South Metro Let's worship God. Make sure you stop by the table. Sign up today. Be a part of a group. We love you.